This is 89.1 WEMU, and welcome to another edition of Issues of the Environment. I'm David Fair, and this week we're going to get some insights into new research that seeks to find a cost-effective and environmentally friendly alternative to the salt we use to de-ice our roadways and other de-icing practices. Where better to look for that than in nature? The University of Michigan is leading an $11.5 million study to find solutions. Our guest today is Anish Tuteja. He is a professor of material science and engineering at the University of Michigan and serves as the project's principal investigator. Thank you so much for joining us today, Anish. Thank you very much, David. Thank you for having me. First of all, to get the environmental perspective, how negatively do things like road salt, plain de-icing chemicals, and other ice-fighting products impact the environment? There are many sort of negative consequences, environmental consequences that are associated with the use of road salt, particularly in these bulk quantities. So there's there's a lot of challenges. One of the simplest ones is to think about the corrosion that the salt might cause on, on any of the associated structures. But then there are much more sort of environmental impacts. So that road salt can slowly seep into the into the water. Um, there's also other sort of really interesting challenges, for example, you know, because the salt is attractive to things like deer. So deer, of course, like to lick salt. Right. Um, there's a higher chance of these things actually coming into accidents as they sort of start to lick the, the salt on the roadway. And, and of course, you can have an accident based on that. And then there's a lot of other smaller animals where this high concentration of salt is actually toxic to them. So so there is a big need for sort of more environmentally friendly solutions that are also cheap. Certainly looking for materials that help create a non-adhesive surface for ice is nothing new to you. You've been looking into that for some years now. What degree of success have you had? Uh, we've had a lot of really nice uh, work in that area. And um, we've been working in the last maybe seven or eight years for different coatings uh, that can prevent the adhesion of ice or at least reduce the adhesion of ice significantly. And we've been fairly successful, so that technology has been uh, licensed out of the university and and has been commercialized. It's already been applied to a few high-rises, solar panels, where we're essentially preventing the accumulation of snow and ice uh, during the winter on high-rises, preventing the accretion of large structures of ice that can fall down and hit pedestrians and such. Uh, So a lot of scale-up has happened. It's continuing to happen, and and we hopefully will keep seeing more and more applications of these in the future. So what makes this study and research project different than the research paths you've followed to this point? Yes, it's really interesting. So so far we've been looking at, okay, so if I have snow and ice um, that's going to come down um, and attach onto a surface, how do I make it easier to remove that snow and ice? Now we're sort of trying to tackle a different problem. How about I prevent snow and ice from forming in the first place, or at least delay it significantly? Um, and that has a lot of applications, certainly, you know, preventing the buildup of ice and snow on roadways, but other things as well that people may not be familiar with. For example, icing, de-icing cycles are, are commonly happening in every refrigerator in the world, every freezer in the world. Uh, heat pumps, that's a huge energy drain. Uh, the efficiency of heat pumps goes down significantly as we're putting them in, in different buildings in a colder environment. And the efficiency of all of these things can be improved significantly if you could prevent freezing uh, from happening in the first place. So that's where we are hoping to get to. So at least either we completely prevent uh, freezing, but even if we can't get there, to significantly delay uh, when freezing happens on a surface or in solution which again has a ton of applications, whether we're thinking of medicines or IV bags that, that are used in cold environments, preventing frostbite, 
from happening for you know maybe the homeless population that might be exposed to a cold environment so so tons of tons of applications of preventing freezing from happening in the first place as opposed to shedding ice and snow once it's already attached onto a surface our issues of the environment conversation with Anish Tuteja continues on 89.1 WEMU. And Anish, the research team is looking to plants, animals, and microbes to find solutions, looking to nature. Have you identified which of each in nature is best suited to research? Yeah, great question, David. So, so it was really fascinating to me as we learned about many of these organisms in the Arctic. So we have things like wood frogs and beetles and fish where you can go down to minus 40 Celsius or minus 60 Celsius in some cases, and the blood of these organisms does not freeze. And they have been looking at different molecules and combinations of molecules. So these are all biodegradable molecules that already exist in nature. They've identified unique combinations of different molecules that can achieve this very amazing property of preventing the the freezing of their blood and and allowing these uh, organisms to survive the really uh, brutal winter. And so over the last 50 years, people have identified a few different molecules, different things called as antifreeze proteins or antifreeze glycolipids. But the challenge is we've only in the last 50 plus years, we've only been able to identify a few of these molecules. And typically, each organism has multiple of these molecules, and they're typically acting or are utilized in combination with other smaller molecules. So it's not just these individual molecules, they're typically combinations of molecules. And so far, it's been really hard for people to identify these combinations of molecules. So the combinations of those molecules is really important, and the ratios or the relative concentration of each of those molecules in that mixture is also really important because many times these things have synergistic effects. So if one molecule, let's say, reduces the freezing point of water by 5 degrees, another one reduces it by 7 degrees, but you combine them in the right ratio, it might reduce it by 15 degrees. And those combinations are completely unknown. So so you have hundreds of molecules and thousands and maybe millions of combinations. How do you go about identifying the right combination and the right ratio? Um, and that's what we're hoping to do in this project. Let's take that uh, research down the line somewhat. Let's say you find some solution in the wood frogs. Would the plan be to create massive wood frog farms around the country to produce the needed materials? Or would you have to look at ways to synthetically produce what the frogs create naturally? Great question, David. Yes, so, so our goal is to have everything done synthetically. So we are not going to be removing any of these molecules from actual uh, wood frogs um, that's been done in the past. And so we already know the source of molecules that exist um, and you know, so what the structure of those molecules are. So everything will be done synthetically uh, because we're very, very sort of aware of the environmental impact that something like this can have. So, so we have a lot of candidate molecules that are already widely available, a lot that we're synthesizing within the laboratory, and then we'll look, screen through these combinations. This is 89.1 WEMU's Issues of the Environment, and we're talking with University of Michigan professor and researcher Anish Tuteja about the search for de-icing materials that are environmentally friendly. Now, in my unscientific mind, my perception is that when mankind tries to synthetically reproduce nature, we become a bigger threat to nature. How do you offset that potential? That, that's a great, uh, great point, David. A significant portion of the work is looking at the environmental impact and toxicity of any of the molecules that we produce and any combinations of molecules that we produce. And so we have experts within the team whose entire portion of the project 
is going to be looking at the environmental impact uh, of potential environmental impact and toxicity of any of the molecules or combinations that we produce. What's also interesting is we have an ELSI expert within the team, uh, which is the ethical, legal, and societal implications of the project. And throughout the project over the next two and a half years, we'll be interviewing any person that is likely to be impacted by some of these materials, particularly indigenous tribes in the Arctic uh, that might be impacted by any of this research in the future, any sort of stakeholders throughout the colder regions of the country that may be may be impacted. And so, so the goal is to both look at sort of the technical side of this and really looking at, you know, what are the toxicity issues that might be associated with any of these molecules, but also looking at sort of the ethical implications of this. So now that we're sort of using these bio-derived molecules, even though we're not no longer extracting them, let's say, from wood frogs, but they originally were identified in these uh, in these species. So what are the ethical um, and moral sort of issues that come from that? Well, again, this is a study funded by the Defense Advanced Research Projects Agency, and DARPA, as it's called, its mission is creating breakthrough technologies and capabilities for national security. So my first thought was, whatever you find is something they might want to weaponize or to enhance wartime efforts. Did that ever cross your mind? DARPA funds a lot of different types of research. Um, it's not always about sort of weaponizing those. And, and again, I can't speak for DARPA and what exactly they want to, to kind of utilize this research for. Our sort of purpose is to really explore the, the unique science that comes in this sort of environment and, and things that are going to be widely utilized by the society. So, um, so let's go further down that path. I know uh, you have to go where the science takes you. But do you have an expectation of particular outcomes or a hypothesis of where it lands you? Not at the moment. So this is supposed to be in in the basic science sort of category of research. Um, This is not aimed in any way for a specific application or a DOD application that's coming out of it. This is really supposed to be aimed at understanding new mechanisms and really understanding the science behind how these things work. Well, I want to thank you for the time and sharing the information today, Anish, and I'm looking forward to seeing where this all takes us. It sounds like there are a lot of wonderful potential applications. Thank you very much, David. It was wonderful to to speak with you. That is Anish Tuteja. He is Professor of Material Science and Engineering at the University of Michigan and Principal Investigator in a study aimed at finding some new de-icing solutions in nature. For more information on the study, visit our website at wemu.org. Issues of the Environment is produced in partnership with the Office of the Washtenaw County Water Resources Commissioner, and you hear it every Wednesday. I'm David Fair, and this is your community NPR station, 89.1 WEMU-FM, Ypsilanti.